0: Happy New Year and back to another Ag Watchers, the first one of 2021, uh, with myself, Andrew Whitelaw, and my colleague and partner in crime, Matt Feudal-Glish. right, happy New Year. I uh, hope you had a good Christmas and all that stuff,
1: after we got past the uh, TEM um, Christmas party that we had there with uh, a bit of
0: Buckfast and all. That was a nice well, event. I felt a bit rough the next day. And the day after that, I think, as well. <laughs> uh, but no, it was a like good 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 breakaway. Spent a bit of time away from the computer for a change, which is which is good. But how how is people call me a bit uh, depressing by saying that twenty twenty one might not be better than twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, probably looking looking that way, isn't it, so far. Coronavirus is probably worse than it's ever been globally. And uh, yeah, we'll just see what happens. And obviously, the yeah. U.S. is in turmoil. With All the, the shenanigans
1: uh, there, and I, yeah, the shenanigans with uh, what happened in the capital, uh, capital building there, uh, with, 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 was, with
0: with the cast of deliverance invading Washington D.C. <laughs> yeah,
1: it may not be over yet either. Um, ah, it'll def- be interesting to see how it plays out. You know, um,
0: definitely not. Anyway. Anyways, this, so today the idea was we're just going to do a very quick um, update on what's happening in the market. A lot of people say nothing happens between uh, Christmas and New Year, but that's not necessarily the case. So we've been still pumping out information uh, and not, not, not a bad deal, getting all your information free of charge, even in the quiet periods of time. Uh <clears throat> so what the Aussie dollar Matt you're the uh the FX expert what's happening there from
1: from a few from many years back um yeah look it's uh we've spoken about this a few times with Trent Osmond from Houston Union and him and I were both yeah, pretty much in agreement in the direction of the Aussie that we're going to continue to see it climb into 2021 and certainly um through this period, you know, December and into the new year, we've seen it reaching up to as high as 78 cents, I think it was yesterday. So, um, and that's, that's even with, you know, all the trade tensions around with China, um, you know, we're still seeing the Aussie climb, which has been a, you know, a good sign for, um, for for how the world views our economy and our, you know, the fact that we're dealing with COVID well, but not so good for exporters. Um, but in saying that, we're only just above, we're only just above 20 year averages. Um, interestingly, Andrew, uh, I think it was NAB that came out just this week um, with new forecasts, refreshed for their forecasts uh, for the coming season, and they're, they're saying it could get as high as 85 cents uh, into this year. I think so, um, which is something we've been saying as well on on, on this podcast and and via TM, um that an Aussie above 80 cents this year isn't isn't um, under the under you know that's um, something that's uh, certainly a a potential. Um, so we'll just see how it plays out. Um, It's
0: fairly exciting. But I guess we've been saying that for a long time that the Aussie dollar is probably going to be rising. So I guess we got one thing right. So so that's good. I heard some analysts back in September saying that they expected the Aussie dollar it was definitely going to fall, and it was definitely going to fall lower. And I think since then it's done nothing but rise, so that was quite interesting. Uh, yeah, the other news this week is uh, exports of all the data was in for quite quickly actually. Really, all the data is in for the 2020 exports of livestock. What's the uh, what's the go there? Yeah, so we
1: we put some stuff out yesterday on the TM website, just covering off on both the December, the month of December, in terms of what happened for the end of the year, and then had a quick look back at. But, uh the whole year, how things have progressed through the year. Um so beef exports we saw um they're still below trend. Uh they're about 15% below uh the five year trend in terms of um for the for the current year and they're about eight percent below um, sorry they're fifteen percent below the twenty nineteen pattern I should say and eight percent below the five year trend. Um but for since about September, October we have seen the, the kind of volumes increasing um, each month, and, and December was no different. There was a slightly higher than November. Um, so, a reasonable finish for beef exports, um, even though they're they below trend. It was good to see a bit more positive movement there. Um, the big performer, though, was lamb, Andrew. That's, um, that's a market, export market, that's really held up well this year. Uh, we had a little hiccup in February uh, with Chinese. Uh, uh, imports of our lamb, just with their COVID. We had a little hiccup in May with the US. But other than that, um, you know, those two COVID events, um, considering we've seen the, the higher Aussie dollar over the year, very high land prices historically you know, on a domestic sense, um, and COVID, which, you know, is affecting the global economy and we know sheep meat's one of those um, commodities that's impacted. Um, considering all those factors, the land market has been incredibly resilient, I think, um, and again, uh, finished the year very strongly. So two top export uh, countries for lamb exports to the US and China, and they both finished um, for, the, for the month of December. They were both uh, volumes 10% ahead of the five-year trend for December. So a really strong finish for lamb, and it, it bodes well uh, for this, coming, or this year now. Um, I guess the only concern is around how the Biden administration deals with this um, COVID epidemic and whether they go into any lockdown phases. I have heard... Some discussion that they aren't going to go down the lockdown phase, and they're trying to rely on vaccines working. So, as long as those food service sectors stay open in the US, that'll be um, pretty pretty good sign for our lamb exports. Um, if they go into lockdown, that might cause a few little bits of pickup. But look, you know, there's there's other markets there that are that are chugging along well. Um, so, yeah, all, all up, a uh, reasonably good finish to the year for exports, mate. What about um? had so like a, a question first, though, actually,
0: a few questions, uh, you know, Here to... Yeah. Hit interrogate. Mm-hmm. So, uh, ben Thomas, our good old friend Ben Thomas, who used to be mm-hmm. a, he used to be the chief analyst at MLA, and now he's with Rabobank. He made a comment to us yesterday uh, how it's pretty pretty remarkable that even though we're even though we're eight percent down the five year average, but we're still greater than one million tons of exports, and we only sort of recently exceeded. You know, 1 million tons of exports. So it's pretty much shows how strong our exports have become on beef. And That's,
1: there. That's the export space,
0: yeah. Yeah, and I, I guess I was, um, what, a, what a point I was wanted to make was if you were to rank each of our customers, who, sorry, who do you say was the biggest beef customer again?
1: Uh, this year it was Japan. Japan.
0: Followed by uh, the USA. So in terms of our domestic consumption, Do any of those does does Japan equal our domestic consumption of beef?
1: No, no, none of those. Um, so the biggest, I guess, if you look at it that way, the biggest client for the beef market still is the domestic market. Um, last season, China got pretty close to pipping the domestic market, but that was that that very aggressive, um, season we saw, yeah, exactly, exactly. But so we've seen, we've seen the Chinese demand fall from first spot last year to third spot this year oh, sorry so th- thir- first spot in 2019 I keep forgetting we've got into the new year Andrew um first spot in 2019 China was at and in the 2020 season they dropped
0: to third spot but, um, but, with, but, our, uh, but with our increase in exports it, it wouldn't be unfeasible in the future to see our exports being higher than domestic consumption yeah that's oh, right like, like one ones. there might be one individual country that imports more than than we individually consume more- in a country cuz what what is it we consume I've read I've read sort of or I've seen screenshots of of various comments about domestic consumption I've seen some people commenting that you know domestic demand of beef it, this is seasoned analysts saying that um domestic consumption of beef is above 50% but uh, uh, where, where do you like I don't know we, you're an analyst of sorts, where do, where do you get domestic consumption at? 50 plus? Thanks, th-
1: thanks for your confidence in me, Andrew. Um, uh, no, we haven't seen domestic consumption of of beef at 50% since the 70s. Um, so pretty much it's it's been, um, if you go back maybe a decade ago, it was you know 60% exported, give or take 60, 65% exported. Um, in the last pretty much decade, it's been, You know, ranging between seventy to seventy-five percent each year. Given any given year, it's um that's exported. So, so therefore, you know, somewhere between thirty to twenty-five percent of our of our beef production is consumed locally, and that's been the case for a good while. So, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where the fifty percent figure
0: came from, but that might be erroneous. That's strange, because it's got the 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 screenshot that somebody sent me asking me the question. Has it at you know significantly higher than twenty eight percent more like six- more like an average of fifty five percent over the last you know since the start of the century but anyway who knows uh so yeah I guess the uh the other thing at the moment is the the grain market it's been mm. it's probably been real time of you know black swan events after black swan events and you know. <laughs> Interestingly enough, a lot of it has been governments making decisions which have actually potentially benefited us. Uh, just before, before Christmas, we had Putin had basically put an export tax in place on Russian wheat, which effectively said, you know, 40 Aussie dollars a ton has to be added on to their price uh, if you're exporting it, which makes Russian wheat uncompetitive by $40. So they've got to reduce their pricing. And it also makes ours so, more... Yeah, go on.
1: What was the logic behind that, Andrew? Like, why, why was the Russian uh, government want to be discouraging their own exports?
0: Well, they, they've, they've gone through rampant food inflation this year. Uh, things like pasta and oils have, have gone up quite dramatically. So the idea is that they can curb local pricing uh, by uh, diminishing the export program. Probably not a good thing for uh, for 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 farmers, but I think farmers are holding off on selling. <clears throat> but over over the week here, we've seen Argentina has done the same thing, where they have uh, effectively uh, banned corn exports for the months of January and February, with a view of uh, supporting the feedlotting industry, so pigs, dairy, cattle. So it's a bit interesting because export export sort of tariffs and export bans are, are quite unusual and look it's as an analogy it's a bit like back in 2019 2018 during the drought the government's saying we're not exporting wheat because we want to support the local pork industry by dimension prices can you imagine the uproar there if mm-hmm. if we, there was a big enough uproar when we brought in you know Half dozen vessels from Canada, but if we'd banned exports and and diminished that market further, then that would have been a you know a a big furor. But it's like you you look at Argentina, you look at Russia, the two countries that are both probably suffering quite badly economically at the moment. The currencies have both Mm. crashed, and so inflation is is quite rampant there. Uh, But again, it does takes away big chunks of of grain from the world's grain trade and and potentially uh, makes us more attractive, which is which is a good thing. Uh mm. the other thing as well at the moment is the you know, markets seem to be a bit crazy at the moment with you know Tesla going through the roof, you know, Bitcoin going through the roof, which funnily enough, you can buy about 140 tons of wheat for one Bitcoin. <laughs> whereas about a year ago it was about 20. Uh but when you look at it things like the commitment to traders report we've seen a huge upsurge in uh, speculators jumping into ag commodities like across the board pretty much Uh, pretty much to the highest level since the early part of last decade so that shows Mm. that they're uh, the speculators are bullish Uh, but i'm i guess i'm always a bit reluctant to say that the smart money is actually smart and (laughs) I get a feeling that part of it might be a bit of fear of missing out. Better get on corn because it's going to the moon. Uh, But I think that could be a correction.
1: Yeah. I mean, that analysis you were looking at was covering off on the main kind of commodities or was it pretty much in the grain space or looked at other kind of view?
0: Look, if I looked at across, I combined uh, all of the ags. So livestock, milk, softs like coffee, uh, sugars mm-hmm. and and just to see roughly what the whole thing was like a whole ags complex and it's yeah bullish uh, but then if we look at the grains we've got corn and soybeans are, are, are massively high as well um, mm-hmm. but yeah i would expect a correction potentially um and yeah i think just now at the moment the big thing in australia is you know we've got a big crop to ship and prices have deteriorated but they're still reasonably good compared to most of the period you know non-drought period anyway so we're actually seeing sort of reasonably good prices and if we look at us compared to the rest of the world you know we are we are pricing low uh, but that's largely off the back of well farmers are selling too much all at once uh, which which pulls the market down and uh, and execution of of all that grain overseas is a difficult task and and a lot of traders have got their fill of what they need so they're they're, mm. they're pulling back from the market and you know they're still by, but they'll buy, but they buy a discount
1: I've seen on uh, you know this year as well, and it's probably not dissimilar to the last bumper harvest. Where on Twitter you see pictures of a lot of sausage bags in the in the field, and that you know. Yeah. Um, do you have an idea as to? It's a bit hard, I guess, at this stage to to know how much is going in storage as well, and how much has been sold. Do you have a rough well, well, anyone?
0: It's really hard to tell because if you look at, like, the United States, they have a a reporting system where farms and traders have to record their stocks of grains at various points throughout the year whereas in Australia we don't have that at all so we've got no indication of what's held in warehouse what's held on farm but I would say that there's definitely you know a lot of grain and if you just drive around even if you're going up to the farm you can see the sausage bags oh. at the side of the road and uh, let's hope the, the mice don't get into them uh, but yeah there's a lot of that and there's also a lot of that a lot of people burying silage and whatnot for the next drought, which I think is, you know, a pretty advisable thing to do. If you're a, you know, northern New South Wales, Queensland farmer, and you've got a bit of excess, you might as well bury some. So, mm. But overall, like I was, I was talking to a Bloomberg journalist yesterday and say, what do you think of the headwinds for the Australian wheat market? And, you know, people say I'm, people say I'm negative, but the reality is I don't actually see much in the way of headwinds at the moment. Other than the mm. little corrections, I still think it's overall a positive story for for Australian grain farmers this year. And I think the mm. big big the big interesting one will be what do the FMD balances look like in in the end of the financial year? I mm. reckon they'll, they'll be substantially up. Yeah, but that's that's really all it for for grains. You know, quite a few things happening, but you know, we'll see what happens. Oh, the other thing as well. Sorry. Is that uh, Russia looks like it's getting some good snow cover again, uh, which will, you know, take away some of the concerns for for that crop from from frost risk, mm-hmm. and, and there is some some initial uh, views that the drought may be receding in the U.S. the drought area, but again, still early days, and you know. We're going to have a bit of a boring period in grains for the next three or four months uh, before the fireworks of the Northern Hemisphere really kick off. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens.
1: So you're saying you'll have nothing to talk about for the next few months or so? I've got something.
0: Uh, I've always got something to talk about. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, that's probably it for me. And uh, yeah, we've got a couple of guests coming on next week, which will be good. Yep, no, looking forward to that. Yeah, We'll keep that one up our sleeves. Uh, so anything else, Matt? Anything else happening in your markets?
1: Um, oh, look, just over that year period, we put out um, a couple of fair value models uh, just for this coming season. So recalibrated those, but pretty much shows for, for finished cattle, we're looking at, a, you know, if you look at the average annual price, um, from last year to this now coming year, we're looking at about a six percent decline. Is what the model's saying in in pricing. So that that brings the the kind of finished cattle uh, national finish uh, finished cattle price down to around um, I think it was about three twenty two or something like that live weight for for this coming season. So still historically still pretty pretty good, even though we're we're seeing some of these headwinds start to to impact like your high high Aussie dollar and your your high domestic prices. Um, impacting cattle. Um, And for for Eastern States trade lamb, it's pretty much sideways. Um, So, you know, the the global economy seems to be responding reasonably well. If you look at some of the the, um, producer kind of production surveying around, around different economies, um, there has been a rebound in in growth levels. Um, So that's pointing more towards a V-shaped recovery, providing, Providing this COVID spread of this new variant does get out of control in Europe and the UK and elsewhere, um, you know, it seems to be that we're going to get a, a bit of a reasonable, reasonably quick recovery this this year, like like what was originally forecast from places like the IMF. Um, so that means for sheep meat and for Eastern States trade Lab indicator that um, you know that that's kind of positive news if if the economies do hold up well this year globally, um, that'll be getting. Demand back on track for sheep meat you know, sheep meat's one of those ones that 's quite responsive uh, to to global growth rate, so the the models basically say about an average price of around eight hundred cents for the um, for the eastern states trade land this year, which is I think about two percent lower than what it was last year, so um, it's kind but, of sideways but, pricing
0: but still good historically again
1: yeah yeah, it is definitely and and look the prospect for for you know going beyond this current year into the middle of the decade. Um, Once we do very much get clear of COVID, um, the prospect for the share meat market is still pretty robust. Um, Like I've said before, I I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing the Eastern States trade lane indicator, you know, by the middle of the decade, you know, with an 11 or a 12 dollar a kilo on it. Um it's uh it's got real good prospects um moving forward, I think. So just be one of those things to watch and see. But for this year, sideways price, probably similar price to what we saw last year. We probably see to peaks of around that nine fifty area um for the Eastern Southeast trade Trade Lame Indicator. And I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't get below seven hundred. So um you know during that spring flush of, of this coming year. Uh
0: but we'll just see how it all plays out. It's so all we can do. All we can do. So I think we'll probably wrap it up there. Uh, So again, happy new year to all of our many hundreds of thousands of listeners. And uh, we, uh, we hope this year is going to be better than last year, but the reality is this last year was pretty good for, for agriculture or or the end of the year, at least. Uh, So that should be good. Uh, Again, if you, if you want to do us a favor, share this podcast with your friends and family. It's available on all good podcast services, likes of uh, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Deezer, all of these sort of ones. Uh, so, so, yeah, if you if share it, if you like it, share it with your friends and family. And uh, thanks very much. And you'll hear more often from us in uh, 2021. Thanks, man. Catch a lot. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. <laughs> We'll be